Happy Thursday, July 1st, 2021. I'm so happy to have you guys here and welcome back to the Life of Chai podcast. Sit back and uh, listen to the shit show unfold for you guys. Nah, nah, not really. But um, yeah, I am kind of just going to give you guys a rundown of really the last seven months now of what's been going on. And recently I've told you guys that I need to take a step back off of my social media platforms and kind of disconnect myself away from things. And, you know, all of my really close friends have messaged me recently and said, you know, you're so good for going MIA off social media. You're so good with, you know, whenever you are going through something, you just kind of off off yourself in a way and just go MIA from everyone and everything. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad trait or if that's a good trait because I can walk away from social media so easily. Um, but I feel that like over the last, you know, seven months, um, a lot has happened and having so many friends and family and just supporters on my social media platforms is, is absolutely astronomical. And I couldn't be more appreciative for, you know, all of you guys and the things I've gone through, especially in the last five years. Um, you know, the last five years have been extremely hard. Uh, and and no one's life is easy. And no one's life is absolutely terrible. There are a lot of trials. There are a lot of errors. You win some, you lose some, um, you know. So definitely the last um, the last seven months, though, those are pretty fresh. And it's it's actually really, really crazy. And you know, like I said, I've been very transparent with all of my friends and family and, and followers on social media, and I'm very open, I'm very friendly, I'm very bubbly, but at the same time, there are certain aspects of my life that I like to keep hidden uh, for, you know, personal reasons and for protective um, purposes as well for other individuals. You know, like if I, if I like someone, I'm not you know, blasting exactly who they are on social media. I'm not tagging them um, to where my followers can see who they are uh, necessarily. And also in the essence of um, just certain things I have going on in my personal life, like I'm I'm very restrictive with certain things, um, you know, like I said, to protect myself and other people around me. But I feel like it's it's time. I feel like I need to speak about some things that have happened and just kind of like where I'm feeling and like where I'm at and it's just all the emotions um, of this. And so many people have messaged me and asked, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? If you need anything, I'm here. Um, and you know, over the last seven months, it's it's been hard. But you know, it you know we're in July right now, so I'm gonna say the last year has been absolutely insane. Um, over the last year, I uh, ended a relationship. I have been stalked. I have been threatened. Um, I have been sexually assaulted. Um, I have been followed on several occasions. Yeah, uh, the and you know, but in the meanwhile of, of these things that you could perceive as bad or, you know, something, you know, obviously not good, uh, there have been very good things that have, um, come into effect. I, 
you know, I travel to a new country. I'm opening up new horizons in my career life. I'm opening up uh, more spiritually, mentally, and emotionally to um, all my surroundings, uh, you know, around me and and to a higher power. Um, I've met absolutely amazing people that are forever going to stay in my life. I have helped my friends grieve the loss of people in their lives. I've helped friends go through, um, you know, lawsuits. I've helped, you know, so many people. And I know that I have made a difference in some people's lives in the last seven months. Um, So there are good and bads that weigh out for sure, 110%. And, you know, kind of diving into this, the reason why I'm, I'm wanting to just throw this all out there on a podcast for everyone to hear is because you deserve to have a voice no matter what. When it comes to certain things or if you're going through, you know, don't hold it all in because whenever you hold it all in and you don't talk about it, you don't vent about it, you don't uh, seek any type of guidance and, you know, you don't have this, this ventilation system when it comes to your emotions and what you're going through mentally, emotionally, physically, it bottles up and it literally deteriorates you. It eats away at you in all aspects. And, you know, there's, there's just people just need to talk because whenever you don't talk, you're not going to be okay. But you need to understand it is okay to not be okay. Acknowledge the feelings that you're going through and just accept it and just know that it can seem really bad right now, but at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. You are taken care of and you're going to be fine. And that's something that I've strongly learned and developed. Um, you know, I, I've gone through a ton of stuff in my life. I have not lived the best life. I've not lived a horrible life either. Um, but recently, um, in the last seven months, it's gotten pretty rough to say the least. And there, there have been some very good things that have happened to me as well. And, you know, um, I just can't believe where I'm at right now in my life being almost 27 years old. Uh, you know, I've been in not the best of relationships in my life. Um, I've been harassed. I've been stalked. I've been threatened to be killed. Um, I have almost gotten kidnapped twice in my life. Um, you know, I'm a single mom of three kids and it's, it's a lot. Um, it's, it's difficult, you know, and, and I'm not a type of person to talk a lot about these things and, um, you know, but how many other people, how many other people sit there and don't talk about it? And, you know, they, they're just not okay for a very long time when they can struggle with depression or PTSD and, you know, we lose a lot of people to suicide because of their mental health and, you know, people need to realize that it's okay to talk about it. And that's kind of why I'm here today to talk about it. Um, recently in the last couple of months, I have had things that from my past that are coming back up. 
And at first I noticed it and I didn't think much of it. And then I'm realizing that my past is like reliving itself in, in a type of essence. And I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know if it's to reopened wounds that I've healed from, uh, because I've already gone through it before that are going to hurt me a little deeper, but they're going to make me stronger. And, you know, that's kind of the only way that I can think about it right now. But, um, I've closed up two court cases, um, in the last five years due to, uh, domestic violence issues. Um, I've gotten what I wanted out of, uh, I've gotten what I have wanted in the end when it comes to my family. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I traveled to another country, which is absolutely amazing. I met amazing people. Um, I can't wait to go back and visit. I kind of hit some patches, um, I guess, with work. But it's overall doing well. Um. I was in a situation a couple of months ago where I was sexually assaulted um, and nothing ended up coming out of it. But I'm okay um, with that. That doesn't even like really bother me anymore. At first it was really hard and then I just moved forward. Like it just kind of like washed it over me. Um, so seriously with that, like I'm okay. Um, five years ago, uh, my mom died. And when she died, I had people in my own family telling me that I was responsible for uh, my mom's death because I was her next of kin. Um, and in the end, she was getting very sick and her brain was not able to function with her body and um, it was putting a lot of stress and she was developing several ulcers in her stomach and anything that was building up in her stomach, like any type of acids or, you know, stuff from her feeding tube were just leaking out of her ulcers and... Um, infecting all of her organs. Um, and the doctors offered for them to do surgery on her and to fix it. But it would have to be a reoccurring um, major surgery that would have to happen, you know, every other month almost. And I just said no. My mother would not want to live a quality of life where she's in a vegetative state or she's paralyzed or she cannot walk or if she can if she cannot go to Starbucks if she can't get her nails done if she can't get her hair done if she can't um you know sit on her patio until two o'clock in the morning drinking shitty boxed wine talking to her best friend or hugging her grandbabies my mom would not want to live that quality of life and we spent a number of nights you know watching uh, murder mysteries and weird things, how people survive. And she would look at me and she'd say nine. And I'd say, yeah. And she was like, if I ever end up like that, or if I even just lose my quality of life to the slightest, I do not want to live that life because it is not me. And I'm not living my life to the fullest. And I agreed. And in the end, when it came down to it, me being her next of kin, I said, just let her go. This is not, 
the life that she deserves to live. This is, there's no quality in this life. And the doctor said, you know, do you want to do comfort care and let nature take its course? And I said, yeah, we're not going to keep doing surgeries every other month. I'm not fighting with fucking rehabilitation centers, trying to move her all over the San Francisco Bay area, moving her all over the state. Um, we're not, we're not doing it. Make her comfortable and just let her go. I would rather let her go and her be with us in spirit all the time whenever we need her versus being bed bound and a vegetable and not living her life. And when I made that decision to put her on comfort care, she, um, she got really sick after and we made her as comfortable as possible and she died within days. They told her, they told us, I think that we had like two weeks to like maybe a month and she died within, I think like three days of putting on comfort care. And now comfort care, they just heavily sedate. And, um, my mom was just so messed up from her accident that she couldn't swallow. So any fluids that they did give her, um, you know, they would have to just, whenever they would put more medication and to heavily sedate her, they would just flush the IV. And that was the only fluid that she was getting. Um, you know, she's not eating, she can't eat. She didn't have her, her tube anymore to feed her. And so in the essence of her being on comfort care, she was not getting any fluid. She was not getting any food. Um, and to certain people in my family, that was, uh, me starving her to death and depriving her and, they hold me accountable for her death and I am responsible for killing her. Um, and recently these things have come up where, you know, I, tr I, I'm trying to have some type of connection with certain members of my family because as people know, when you lose someone, you know, death changes people, it changes families, it changes outlooks, and there can be a separation of division or it can bring you guys totally, totally close. It just depends. And in this essence, my mother's death ripped my entire family apart in every aspect that you could imagine. I have been harassed over this. I have been held responsible for this. Um, and I am ultimately the reason why my mom is dead. And I have been told that I am, I, I killed her uh, because I gave her what she had wanted and what she has told me that she wanted and asked for. Um, I'm sorry, there's going to be some... Um, pauses in between this because it's just kind of uh, a lot. I know that I am uh, not responsible for the, the loss of my mother. I know that I did not uh, kill her. You know, my mother was hit by a, a drunk driver and she was a pedestrian. And on her death certificate, um, she died from blunt force trauma to a or from a uh, motor vehicle 
she did not die of starvation um, or dehydration. I try. Um, I try to make amends and I try to move forward with certain things and then I feel like they kind of get brought back up again. And this comes from people I've distanced myself with and, um, you know, I will still always be there. I will still always care. I'll still always have love for them, but um, it's just not right. It's not acceptable. In high school, um, I was sexually assaulted. Five years ago, I was sexually assaulted. And um, a couple months ago, I was sexually assaulted. I'm fine from that. Uh, it's something that happens, and I don't think men happen. I don't think men realize how much it actually happens to women. Um, and there are a lot of women who are not vocal about it, who do not speak when it happens to them. And if you or someone you know is a victim of sexual assault or domestic violence, there are helplines. If you do not want to speak to someone that you know about this, talk about it, get help if you need to. Therapy is not a bad thing. It's there to help you. And just know that you will be okay. When I was in high school, my senior year, I was walking home from school to my dad's house. And I remember waving bye to one of my friends and I said bye to her and she said bye. And I hear, hi. And I look over and it was a man in a car. And I watched him drive down alongside the park as I was walking through it, and he flipped around and parked his car. Something inside me told me that I was going to get kidnapped. And this man starts walking very fast across the park towards me. And this was three weeks after Sierra, Sierra Lamar went missing uh, from Morgan Hill, who was later then um, found out that she was uh, kidnapped and murdered. Uh, so this, mind you, this is three weeks after uh, in 2012. I believe this is when this happened, or 2011. I think it was 2012. Um, so this guy is coming at me towards the park, and I start to realize that I'm going to get taken right now. And there's a bunch of Hispanic uh, older men in the park gambling, and I run over to them, and I'm, I start saying, please talk to me. Please talk to me. Act like you know me. Act like you know me, please. And they say, oh, yo no sé, mija. No habla espanol. You know, you no sé. I'm like, what? Please, like, just please talk to me. Please talk to me. I know that this is this man's going to take me right now. Like, please help me. And this man had uh, a goatee and facial hair. He was wearing camo shorts and red and black Jordans and a red and black uh, Jersey. 
And he said, you need to come with me. I said, I'm not going with you. And he said, you need to come with me. I need to take you somewhere. I said, you're not taking me anywhere. And he goes, yes, you are. And he grabbed me. He bear hugged my entire body in broad daylight at 2.30 in the afternoon in front of about 10 to 20 people and tried dragging me to his car. And I threw my body down and ripped my arms away from him and dropped all my stuff and ran. And I ran as fast as I possibly could until I found myself lost in an apartment complex hiding behind a car in a stall. And it seemed like hours passed by until I went back and got all my stuff. And then I hid again in a parking stall, called the cops, and the cops met me at my dad's house and waited there for four or five hours until my dad got home. And a couple of days later, I find out that uh, this man, they didn't catch him, but from all the surveillance videos that they had gotten from other places, um, this man was stalking me for about three months, every single day, all day. He was sitting in front of my school watching me, learning my bell schedule, learning who I hung out with, what I did, where I lived which ways I walked. I had someone watching me for three months and I had absolutely no idea who tried to kidnap me broad daylight. Um, recently, uh, in the last couple of days, I had something very, very, very scary happen. Um, I went home because I was dog-sitting, and when I parked my car, I walked the dog a little bit, and this man across the street sees me. And as I'm walking the dog back through the parking lot to go to my building, and I have very, very high security where I'm at, but of course the one day where they were fixing the two doors to go into my building, they were wide open, and next thing you know, this man's following me. Then he tries to follow me into the building of my apartment, and pet my family friend's dog who I was watching. And I ran back to the car, called the cops, circle around my complex, and the man disappeared. I cut through my apartment complex from the opposite side and go up and drop the dog off in my apartment. The cops call me and tell me that they're there, so I have them meet me in my lobby, and they do. And... um When I went down there, I told them everything that happened, and they said, you know, did he say anything to you? And I said, no. He goes, okay, well, he just started following you, and I said, yes. And he's like, well, you know, we can't. I said, it was weird. I said, it was very weird. I know when something's off, and that was off. And he was like, okay, well, you know, we can't arrest someone for being weird. And I said, you know, I understand that, but I, and I'm starting to freak out now because I'm starting to hyperventilate a little bit. Um, I'm starting to have very bad anxiety and I'm starting to have almost like PTSD from what happened to me in high school. And I said, I know that feeling. I said, I was almost kidnapped my senior year in high school. I know what it's like. I know what that feeling is like when something's off and that man was off. Um, and they said, you know, we appreciate you. And I, and they said, they're going to patrol the area. And I said, okay, thanks. You know, um, they would let me know if they find him or if they see him. And then I would contact them if I see them or see that man again. And after I get done talking to them, the cops start to 
walk back to their car. And whenever I turn back into my building, I go right through a pedestrian door into my parking garage. And typically whenever I go through that door, I would just veer off to the left and cut through the garage and go out the building. Well, as soon as I walk in, something tells me to look to my right. And I look to my right and the man that followed me um, was hiding in my parking garage, pacing back and forth. And he saw me and started coming after me. Now when my pedestrian door locks, there's a seven digit dial code that you have to type in and you have to wait for it to clear and turn green for you to go through the door. Um, So while this man is about four cars away from me, he's coming at me, trying to come after me while I'm locked in this parking garage with him. And I turn so fast and I drop my phone. I'm dialing in the pin as fast as I can. And if the door doesn't shut all the way, if it doesn't shut a certain way, it will get jammed and the door is starting to jam a little bit. So as this man's coming at me and I'm trying to do this, I'm dropping all my stuff and I just start dialing it and dialing it and I just throw my whole body into the door and I trip and I run out and I go through the double doors as the cops are getting in their car and I'm barely being able to breathe at this point because I can't believe that this is happening and I'm having all these literally PTSD flashbacks of high school just come at me so fast and I'm hysterical to the cops and I'm telling them he's in there he's in there the man is in there he was watching us the entire time he was listening to us he's hiding and they were like are you fucking serious I said yes I give them the code they can't open the gate I give them the code again they open it my neighbor's outside and he's like there he is I see him I see him this old man who's walking his dog and the cops are like, all right, come out. And the guy doesn't want to listen. He has a backpack. He's got a hand in his pocket. He's got a hoodie. Um, I don't know if he's cracked out. I don't know if he's like mentally okay. I don't know if he's just a fucking weirdo. I have absolutely no idea. And, you know, next thing you know, I am locked. I am locked in my lobby watching, um, at this point, 10 to 12 cops uh, have their guns pointed at him. And, He's not compliant. He's not hearing. Obviously, the cops are not wanting to shoot anyone right now um, in any essence because of everything that has happened in the last year. It's very apparent. And, you know, having so many cops and so many cars and all these people and I'm just sitting here barely being able to breathe, having a full-blown anxiety attack because I feel like I'm reliving it all over again. And the man ultimately tries to run away and all the cops end up tackling him and they arrest him. And then they came in and got a statement from me, asked if I want to press charges. And I said, yes, actually I said, fuck yes, I do. Um, and he was arrested. And this happened, uh, two or three days ago. And since this happened, I'm very empty. I'm very empty. I'm very numb. Um, I just kind of feel like I'm just like living. I don't feel a ton of happiness. I don't feel a lot of joy. Um, In some essence, I do. But overall, I just feel very plain. Just like I'm living. Like I'm just here. I went through a lot of therapy in my life and um, I moved forward in a lot of things in a lot of ways in a very good amount of time, which I was very shocked about. 
and I'm just trying to regroup and kind of find myself again with this and just know that I'm stronger than what this is. Um, but it was a very scary incident. Also that day, I, prior, I had a reading, um, from a medium, uh, who is very, very, very good and has said everything to a T. And she told me something that I was not ready for, I guess, in a way. It was very shocking. And it was about someone else and their family. And that just kind of threw me off a little bit. And over the weekend on Saturday, my sister and I had a date night. And I took her to downtown Huntington. We had dinner. And then we went to a bar, and after the bar, we went to this pizza and funnel house in downtown Huntington, where I was spoken to by some people. Later on in the night, um, I had been being I had been followed. The majority of that night, uh, and then. As my sister and I are trying to leave, I got recognized by a handful of people off of uh, my social media platforms, which my social media platforms aren't even that insane. I mean, like OnlyFans, I have a couple, you know, um, hundred followers on there. I have, um, you know, almost 10,000 on Instagram. Uh, when I had my TikTok, I... You know, at first it was like, okay, here's like 500, here's like 1,000, okay, here's 5,000, here's 10,000. My TikTok blew up very fast. And um, here in my area, a lot of people recognized me. And my sister and I were kind of bombarded. And people kept following us, and they wouldn't leave me alone, and they wouldn't leave her alone. Um, and I'm used to people going out. You know, I'm used to going out to the bar, and people are all coming up and, and talking to me and my friends and you know, I, I'm naturally a very social, bubbly person, and um, you know, I'm I'm used to people talking, but this was a lot, and uh, we we got followed a lot. We got followed. Uh, we almost got followed to my car, trying to leave because people would not leave me alone. And once we got in my car, my sister's like, you know, with everything that's going on and all this stuff, she's like, you have gotten stalked so many times. You are being followed so many times. You've literally almost been kidnapped. Uh, you know, well, you got almost kidnapped once in your life. And now you have this man following you. And he was prowling in the garage waiting. Um, I don't know if this man had been stalking me. I don't know if he was just a random person. I don't know. And my sister... Um, is very laid back and to her when we got in the car on Saturday night and then after this whole incident just happened on Tuesday you know she in her way she's like you need to just kind of you need to get like a bodyguard or you need to have a guy with you at all times because things are getting pretty crazy and um, you know I started getting paid off of TikTok which I was pretty pumped for because it was blowing up it was doing good um and yeah it's just stepping away from social media because um things are just getting a little crazy right now in my personal life and you know I haven't really even been going out that much I think I've gone out 
maybe twice in the last two months, maybe three times in the last two months, which usually I go out once or twice a week. Um, so I've really dialed it back and it's just absolutely crazy the way that things are happening. But there are a lot of, there are a lot of good things that are happening in my life. I, um, I'm starting to branch out. I'm developing something that's absolutely insane. I'm going in a direction I never thought I would. I'm going through a huge, huge spiritual transformation right now. Uh, I have literally cried out loud to God and he has given me answers to things. Um, I've never had a relationship with God ever or a higher power. So for me to go through this and experience it is, is astronomical. Um, I have gotten really close with someone that I like and that I care about a lot. And that's been going very well. Um, he hit a little bit of a rough patch and I didn't understand what was going on at the time. And I finally understood what was happening. I've met so many amazing people. I've developed so many good friends. Um, I'm getting new opportunities just flowing at me. I'm in a huge transition right now in my career life. And the doors are just opening and some of them are just swinging open and some of them are just completely closing and I'm just trying to make the best decisions possible. And something that I've learned recently is just let everything go and just like let it flow to you. If these things flow and they're good or they're bad, just let it come and just ride with it because everything is part of a plan. Everything is part of a purpose and we don't know what that plan is. We don't know what the purpose is, but at the end of the day, it's all part of the bigger picture and it's all part of a bigger plan than what we've ever imagined. We think that we're going to live this ideal life that we're currently in right now, but Riskly. Nothing compares to the life that we're going to live when we're not here anymore. That's the biggest, that's the biggest goal. Life has been crazy and it's been hectic. And, um, yeah, I'm very transparent with you guys. I'm very, um, very open and honest about certain things. And I feel like this is something that I need to speak to you guys about. And, you know, I appreciate all the love and support that I've gotten for so many people, um, and all the connections I've made in the last seven months. I cannot be more grateful and more appreciative for every single person that I have in my life. And if you're someone that I talk to every single day, just know that I truly do love you and appreciate you for everything that you've you've done and I hope everyone has an amazing start to July we are halfway done through the year I don't know where it went and the overall thing that I just want to say about this whole podcast and me talking about this stuff is no matter how how hard times can get in your life no matter if people can run your name through the mud if they can try to tear you down as a person if they can mentally emotionally physically you know hurt you in any way 
you're so much better than that and that you're going to be okay. And if you're not okay in that moment, it's okay to not be okay. And talk and help is not a bad thing. Talking to someone is not a bad thing. The more that people are vocal about it, it can help so many other people. I mean, you just have absolutely no idea how many people you can actually help until you try. But I hope you guys have a great start and a great 4th of July. Take care and I will talk to you guys next week.